What up, podcast listeners? It's your boy, Matt Baxter on The Matt Baxter Show. And on this episode, I'm hanging out with Avello Roy. Avello Roy is the managing director of Kolkata Ventures based in India. He is just a startup wizard. He's had plenty of ventures himself. He's helped fuel, uh, mentor, advise, invest in hundreds of startups all over the world. And he's just got an amazing perspective. He's been a TEDx speaker, I think not once, not twice, not three times, but I think four times. He's just been all over the place when it comes to the startup world and the business world. And so I just am very grateful to have him as a guest. I learned a lot myself, so I hope you enjoy this uh, episode as much as I did as well too. Thanks a ton, Novello, for being a guest on the show. This is going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited to hear your story. Obviously, you have had quite a background and just covered a lot of different ground in life. So I'd love just to hear your story if you're willing to share. Yeah. Um, so, well, uh, I've been in Chicago for my teenage and adult life. So I was uh, studying uh, at the Illinois of Technology, Computer Engineering. And while studying, I delved into politics. So I ran for elections. Uh, one became the vice president of student government and pretty much created the Senate, wrote the Constitution along with other friends of mine, raised $800,000 for the university to build the first bar and bowling alley on campus. And then my university uh, was very interested in helping me out with my startup, uh, which, uh, which was great. It was recipro- reciprocity. So, uh, so they actually invested in my company. I uh, launched it actually in the last recession, which was 2009. And uh, won 15 business plan competitions in U.S. and Canada, and and yeah, life's been uh, been very entrepreneurial henceforth thereafter. So so yeah, that's that's pretty much. I've been an entrepreneur all my life. Been in India since 2016. Uh, built up Kolkata Ventures, uh, which is basically caters to uh, entrepreneurship ecosystem in in East India. I started with East India. Now we are in three countries. What we do is we educate entrepreneurs, we seed fund them, as well as give them resources to build their startups. And again, it's a Indo-US collaboration. A lot of my investors and friends who are from the US uh, are also involved with this. And we have around 412 revenue generating startups from India that we've been able to create in the last four years. So, so very happy about that. And with COVID-19, things are actually growing because people are losing jobs and they're seeing it as an opportunity to start their own startup, be their own boss that they've always dreamt of. And we do virtual incubations, so it doesn't matter where you are. People are, you know, really coming on board and we have grown around 300% during uh, the lockdown period, which is quite amazing. Yeah, that's fantastic. And, um, you, you mentioned you said you had 400 for over 400 revenue uh revenue startups you know under 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 belt that's correct yeah yeah that is amazing i mean think about just the the generational impact that 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 has not just obviously you know starting one company somebody makes some money you know has a great life but think of you know thinking through the generational impact that that has that's just incredibly inspiring so amazing work for you you know you mentioned you've been an entrepreneur all your life where was the first moment that you defi- you know you were like man i feel like i'm an entrepreneur <laughs> um well it, it's always been I, I like to solve problems than bicker about it so when i was a kid i was uh i had my own like kind of a lab set up where i was playing with chemicals and this and that so i i always like to innovate uh, when i was in cambridge i 
came up with this uh, system that takes lightning and stores it and can be used as electricity. You know, so I've always been uh, the guy who likes to be creative and solve problems. And so uh, that was the fun part. And then later on, I learned that I could actually make money out of it. I could commercialize it. I could, uh, you know, this could be my profession. I could solve problems for a living. And that's what entrepreneurship is to me. And um, thanks to President Obama, uh, when I started, that's when he also started Startup America. So I got a lot of help from Startup America. I got a lot of help from a university, won a lot of business competitions. And I realized that this is it. This is what I want to do for the rest of my life. There's nothing better than being uh, a problem solver, being your own boss, inspiring people and seeing your customers smile and pay you for it. <laughs> There's a lot of rewarding pieces to all of that. First, finding the problem, solving it. There's nothing more satisfying than that. Then creating a solution uh, that you can take and you can scale, whether it's to one customer, you know, 100 million customers. And then, as you mentioned, having a customer smile and then pay it for to cover all those things in life. You, you've reached a pretty cool point. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> what was the first? OK, I, I got to ask. You mentioned a customer smile. So that, 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 that's got to be a tagline for you. Where was the first customer smile that you ever had? You know, it's quite interesting. So uh, we started in 2009. And at that time, so we, I graduated from college. We had around $40,000 we had won from all these business plan competitions. But our product was a hardware, uh, it was a hardware startup. So it was, think about Apple Watch, uh, 10 years before Apple Watch. So uh, so we burned through the $40,000 pretty quickly. And Chicago is a cold place. And, uh, you know, we were like, okay, we're going to be homeless because we have no money. And uh, we had one month's rent left. And I was like, how do we sustain ourselves? Nobody was investing. And we were just not going to take a job, me and my co-founder. So so I love baking and cooking. And I was like, you know, uh, so I, I used to invite friends over. And one of my friends said, Avello, I love your cheese biscuits. Uh, why don't you sell them? They're so good. I said, cheese biscuits, huh? Uh, yeah, why not? So next morning, me and Edward, my co-founder, we went to the local grocery stores. We baked 3,000 biscuits and everybody loved it. They're like, yeah, we're going to sell it. Uh, you need $2 million insurance, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, how much would you keep and how much would we keep? It said, 60%, we will keep you, get 40%. And I was like, we have a tech startup to build. We cannot do this. So what we did was, we. Uh, so my university, IIT, was uh, there was a project that was having a, a, a tent at the farmer's market. It was a, a coffee project from Africa. And I was like, I asked that person, I'm like, can I get like little space on your table? where we could sell these cheese biscuits. And that person was very generous. I said, yeah, sure. So we had these little boxes of cheese biscuits that I stacked up and we had some samples. And literally that day, I still remember, Saturday I baked for eight hours, Sunday I went to the farmer's market and the person, they were just taking these samples and we sold, I think 30 dozen cheese biscuits in a matter of four hours. And that was a lot of smiling, happy customers. And they kept on saying, oh, my God. I was like, that is the name of the company, OMG Biscuits. You know, <laughs> and that was that my That is amazing. <laughs> that that is such a good story. <laughs> that is that is such a good story. And, and you know, the, the thing I love about that is to think about what you're doing now. I mean, overseeing, helping, uh, you know, problem solvers and probably some of the coolest businesses, complex businesses, 
all to say that your first lesson of how to make a smiling customer was cheese biscuits. Okay. Like, no offense, that's not a complex business, right? Exactly. It's like a relatively that's simple. Right. And, and I think that's where so many people lose, like, the, the entrepreneurial education is, like, it doesn't have to be complex. My, my first thing similar to your cheese biscuits was mowing lawns. So, like, for me, it was, like, I didn't do anything complex, right? Figure out how to make a customer smile with a nice green-looking lawn, and then there you go. And then you figure out how to become an entrepreneur from there. So I, I love hearing that story. Um, so so for you now, you know, you oversee all these different companies and, and entrepreneurs. It, 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 do you get more of a joy in your own life of being the entrepreneur or sort of being the guide? Avello, I think I lost you. Can you hear me okay? Hello? Yep, can you hear me okay? I can hear you. Hello, Matt? Yeah. Can you hear me? I can, yeah. There's a little loud, uh, little loud background. Can you hear me okay now? I can hear you fine. Oh yeah, perfect. Yep, you sound great now. Um, so we'll just we'll just cut that part out and I'll re-ask the question, okay? All right. Cool. So, you know, for you, uh, you get the opportunity to oversee, you know, hundreds and hundreds of different entrepreneurs and and, and be a part of their different journeys. In your life, have you enjoyed being the entrepreneur yourself and and you know being the guy who's actually on the grounds running the company, or have you enjoyed more being the guide to the entrepreneurs going and doing that? Both, both have its own flavors. Uh, so I am, I have my own businesses that I still run, and I'm a parallel entrepreneur that way. So I have multiple businesses where I have good managers who are managing the companies. I just look at the KPI analytics and make decisions based on that. And I also guide all these uh, other entrepreneurs who are incubated under Kolkata Ventures. So uh, the the best part is, although I am guiding, I'm learning, because. For every business uh, or every, every problem that is there, there are 15 different companies trying to solve that problem and five of them are successful, 10 of them are not. And the ones that are successful, I know why they're successful and I'm able to help the other 10. And in the process, I get this aha moments of business insights, which helps me grow as, a, as an individual, as an entrepreneur. So it's all win-win. I'm, I'm helping people, but I'm also learning and with that learning, I'm helping other people who are going in the wrong direction. And I'm growing as a, as a mentor as well as an entrepreneur. So uh, it's just uh, different flavors. You know, it's like vanilla ice cream and chocolate ice cream. That's, that's a fantastic reference. So, you know, in all the different entrepreneurs you have, you have uh, come across, is there any overlapping quality that you see in a good quality that they have and maybe a quality that so many entrepreneurs uh, need to improve upon? Do you have a couple of pearls of wisdom on both sides? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the good qualities I would say is high energy with humility. That's a deadly combination because people who tend to be high energy tends to be sometimes a little arrogant, especially when you're young as an entrepreneur and you're like, I'm the CEO. Uh, I didn't say the the B word. <laughs> but uh, But... The people who are really humble, that means I don't know, I want to know. And they they reach out for help. They are not ashamed to say, I don't know. And they're honest. You know, So that humility, along with the high energy, I've seen 
work wonders. Of course, skills have to be there and, and all that, but that humility attracts uh, other people to help them out. So they can build a board of advisors, they can build a founding team, and they can, they can you know, they attract the right people to their businesses. They attract the help they need. People want to help them because they're likable. On the other side, uh, I guess it's the opposite. Uh, it's low energy and it's arrogance that I've seen very talented people lose out from investors. Just giving an example, one of the companies that I had acquired a year ago, uh, it was built by three IITNs, IITNs as in Indian IITs, which are like the premier organ, you know, educational institutes in India. And they were also PhDs from MIT. And these guys had built a phenomenal product and investors just refused to invest in them, even though the product was great and it was one of the top five in its category globally. So what happened was uh, one of their investors reached out to me and said, Avello, would you please take over this company? We will co-invest together and buy the founders out because they're just arrogant and we don't want to deal with them. Let's dry them out. We'll take away all the funding and, uh, you know, when it's almost about to die, we will just dive in and buy it out for dirt cheap. And we did that. But the sad part was that that's happened because these guys just were arrogant. You know, they just didn't care about anybody else. They were, they were seeing the success and they thought this is it. You know, we don't need to care for other people. I mean, investors are investors because they have been successful in their lives in some way or form. That's why they have the money to invest. Uh, and you don't just tell them on the face, hey, you put in the money, we will figure out how to deal, deal with the business. Don't ask too many questions, right? So so that's what I've seen, that uh, people who are really talented don't go anywhere with arrogance. People who are not so talented, but you know, just there are intelligent, high energy, humble, uh, can get all the help they need, surround themselves with smarter people than themselves and still make it massively successful. I love that. I love that. And I, I would fall under the category and I, I, I have tried to, you know, obviously hopefully work on humility throughout the course of my life, but definitely in the high energy, I compensate on not being as skilled emphasis on high energy and then try my best to surround myself with smarter people. And it definitely works. So I totally can echo that from my own world as well, too. When you just when you find the right people who are the technical skill sets, you know, you certainly can can elevate the business way further. But walking into a pitch contest and having all the right answers is not always the best approach. Walking right. in, being well informed, be educated, you know, know your stuff, but at the same time, be willing to say, like, look, we understand this is the best information we have. And this is where we feel we need to go. But we're also open to smarter people telling us how to do it a little bit better too and so I, I i've seen that in my my world as well i love that yeah and i don't know i'll find out for you and come back to you you know that's a great <laughs> exactly exactly i don't have all the information and i will uh, i'll do my best to figure out the, the right information for that that's fantastic <laughs> do you have a favorite do you have a favorite startup that you've worked on or been a part of or whether it's whether it's you know been been overseen or involved in yourself i mean to me i enjoy cool because events just like anything even though it is uh, uh, a more of an incubator and whatnot, but the amount of people I meet, the kind of learnings I have, the kind of influence I have on on people's lives, it's very fulfilling. Like I go to bed at night uh, with a lot of nice messages on Instagram, uh, and it's great to see that so many lives are transforming uh, for what it has created. Now, with the other businesses, I made a lot of money, but I have no way of knowing how it impacted lives. For example, the last company that I sold, uh, it was responsible for firing 90% of the workforce in a medical billing company. Now, uh, 
yes did i make a lot of money absolutely did uh, i make a lot of people sad yes right so if you say enjoy enjoy uh, i would definitely say kolkata ventures because it it creates so much joy and prosperity amongst people uh, and I, i i just it brings a lot of smile to my face it actually raises a really interesting question that i'd love to hear your perspective on i attended a talk about a guy who had started and sold six or seven different ventures. You know, he's probably mid fifties and throughout the course he's yeah, six or seven. And he, he, he was basically sort of sad when he talked. And one of the things that he referenced was that like he started seven companies. And by the time he left uh, like a year, two years or three years later, they had all failed after he left. And so the talk was about like sort of the dark side of entrepreneurship. And so I'd love to ask you the question is, you know, not to make it sad and depressing, but the question would be more for, you know, how as an entrepreneur, can you create something that is not solely dependent upon you as the founder to keep it afloat? And obviously we could probably talk for years about this, this question, but you know, how could you create something that when you walk away, it still sustains itself aside from you? Yeah. So I do that actually. That is how I'm a parallel entrepreneur is I, I, I recruit people. So I'm a social media influencer. And as a result, I, I hire from that pool of people who are loyal to me already by watching my videos, right? So from that pool, when I hire the right talented folks, I, I am able to identify some people who I see would lead the company 18 months from now. So I give it 18 months to train them in a way where I give them uh my qualities not like to transform them into me not not like to clone them or anything but uh give them what how i run the business and how i've seen it work and what is needed and then let them be creative with their own uh freedom and express in their own way screw up in their own way and learn from it and do better and what it does is it allows people to grow uh, it allows me to kind of back off delegate and move on. So smart people, high skill, high will people, train them up, mentor the hell out of them. You know, there's a lot of uh, sometimes even difficult times where they don't understand and you have to, you know, it's like cutting a diamond. It, it, it hurts. It, it's difficult when you have to transform somebody's uh, thought process, qualities. It is difficult. But then eventually they realize what they have received is more than an MBA. And on what it does for me is I can have trusted people who have the same value system running the companies the way uh, it should be run or even better with their freedom, with their learning, you know? Uh, yeah. So, so that's, uh, that's a great way to make sure that I can die right now in peace and things will still go on. If not forever, but at least for a little bit of time. Yeah. So let's talk, let's talk about, let's talk about peace for a second. Cause you mentioned, I, I know I know you do a lot of you do a lot of work around sort of spirituality, med- meditation, that that side of things. So for for one, I want to just dive into the baseline of that, and then I want to ask how that sort of that that all falls into being an entrepreneur as well, too. So do you mind just sharing a little bit about sort of spirituality, meditation, sort of your work sure. in that space as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so when I was in second year in college, uh, my I went through a personal crisis. So there was separation of my parents, and at that time. I came across my mentor and I came across a book, the Bhagavad Gita, which uh, is, is basically two friends talking on a battlefield, right? Uh, the fighter Arjun doesn't want to fight and Krishna, who's God, 
he's motivating him, giving him the right reasons to fight the war. And it applies at that time, I was fighting the war of life and still am. <laughs> and it really helped me understand why we do what we do, what kind, how people think, right? There are different grades of people. There's goodness, passion, ignorance, right? So it's like the, the primary colors. And if you combine the primary colors, you can get millions and millions of colors. So when you combine different proportions of goodness, passion, and ignorance, you can actually get different varieties of human beings. So it teaches you management. It teaches you leadership. It teaches you how to control your anger. And, and, but knowledge alone is not enough. Knowledge leads to a lot of speculation. But when you practice that knowledge, that's when things start to evolve. So I do meditation two hours every day. Now, what that allows me to do is meditate and train my mind to be in the present. And that is very, very powerful. So, for example, if, you, if anybody has the ability to watch their mind as you're getting angry, as you're getting lusty, as you're getting greedy, as you're going through all these uh, dancing of the mind, as I call it, you know, you'll realize that the mind is really fickle. And to focus on one thing is very difficult. But meditation is a practice which allows you that when I'm here, I'm here. Like, for example, Matt, I'm talking to you. I am here with you 110%. I am not looking at my WhatsApp. I'm not looking at who's passing by, who's smiling. Nothing. It's you and me. And when you do that, it's not multitasking. When you do one thing at a time and you're able to focus your mind, it's like, you know, uh, as kids, we would play with magnifying glasses and try to focus the sun's rays on paper and try to burn it, right? It's like that, taking the mind's energy, try to focus it, and you can literally do anything with it. Like, if I want to just shut myself up and have to go through, let's say, a shareholder's agreement, uh, which is around, let's say, 50 pages or 100 pages, I can just shut myself up and go through everything and nothing can distract me, right? The same Avello would have taken, let's say, a few hours, which I can now do in maybe half an hour to one hour, right? Because I'm focused. So, so what, and I don't have to sleep much, right? I sleep four hours a day. Now, one might think this unhealthy, but the thing is, the yoga practice, yoga allows you to, the, the food I eat, I'm a vegetarian. I, am, I don't drink, I don't have any uh, addictions to smoking or anything like that. So uh, my body, the food that I take, it's easy to digest. I don't get stressed because of meditation. So my body doesn't get tired. So it doesn't require eight hours of sleep. So as a result, I have more time in the day. I can be more efficient and I can do a lot more and I'm focused. So that, that makes my uh, productivity like pretty much, you know, insane. <laughs> I'm not bragging, but, but that's my secret sauce. That's my uh, secret weapon, you can say, because I'm not uh, the most intelligent. I'm not the most skilled but my ability to do things and focus on things and learn things is far superior than most people because of meditation and the lifestyle that I live. So you said you mentioned, or you, uh, you, you meditate two hours a day. Why, why, what's, what's the significance to two hours and how did you land upon that? So it's called mantra meditation and, and there's this 16 syllable mantra. So a focus, you focus on the sound vibration of every syllable of that mantra. And, uh, so, so the mantra is Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. And so it's uh, when, you, when you do that, 
108 times multiplied by 16, which is prescribed by my guru, my, my teacher, it takes two hours time. And so it's kind of like every day, if you do something, it has an impact on your life, right? So I've been doing this for the last 12 years and it has an impact on my mind and the control that I have over my mind, my anger, uh, my, my urges and everything else. So it, I'm more in control of myself and I can steer my life in the direction I want to go rather than where my mind wants to take me. Does it make sense? Do you can, it does. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just processing through a little bit. Cause like, so you said, you said you sleep four hours a day. Do you sleep four hours a day? And then you also do two hours of meditation. Yes. yes. So interesting. What, what time of day do you do the two hours? Well, it's throughout the day. So I do half an hour in the morning, half an hour uh, after lunch, half an hour in the evening time and half an hour before I go to sleep. I like that a lot. I might need to, we might need to take this offline. I might need to do a little practicing <laughs> with you. <laughs> so, cause for, for me, like, so is meditation for you? Do you, do you mentally speed up or do you mentally slow down? I find myself speeding up. Then I catch myself slowing down. So when my mind wanders out, I'm speeding up. As soon as I catch the mind and bring it closer, then I'm like, nothing else matters. This is priority and you're going to stay there. Then it slows down. I breathe slowly and, and everything else, you know, it, it's so it's a practice of a lifetime, you know, but uh, far more better than I was 10 years ago. Yeah, that's what I was, that was going to be my next question. So you're, you're 12 years in now. You, you said right, mm -hmm. you've been doing it for 12 years. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So. Um, now when you sit down and you have a, a, what you consider to be a fantastic meditation session, is that 30 minutes you sit down, you start doing your right breathing and you're sort of in you're, 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 you're in depth, you're in it, you're, you're experiencing what you feel to be, you know, this tool that has become the secret sauce to your life. Or is it like you've narrowed, like when I meditate and I try to sit there for 30 minutes, it takes me 28 minutes <laughs> to decompress everything else I'm doing for two minutes of good meditation. I still consider that a win, but it's just like, that's some of the times why I don't meditate is because how long it takes me to unwind to then wind back up. <laughs> so my question for you would be in that 30 minute segment or hour long segment or whatever, what is that like, what is sort of the meat of the meditation that you're experiencing? How long, not the time matters here, but yeah, it's the first talk, talk, to like talk to me like I'm a dummy here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the five five to seven minutes where my mind is like agitated. There's like 10 million things happening in my life. And I'm like, okay, time to calm down. Okay, not the future, not the past. Be in the present. Be in the present. This is what matters. If this goes right, everything else will be solved. You will have the ability to. So I talk to my mind. It's like a, talking to a child. You know, like you you have to discipline the child by saying, you know what, if you don't have your vegetables, you might not be allowed to watch the cartoon. So similarly, I'm telling my mind, you know what, if you don't do this right, you will not be able to solve the problems that you're worried about. So calm down, focus on this. And in the half an hour period, I tell you, Matt, all the solutions pop up. It's amazing because what happens when you're overwhelmed, your brain shuts down. But when you let it slow down, when you are, uh, you know, when you let that space come into your mind, then all the creative juices come out and problems that seemed insurmountable becomes easily solvable.
and what what happens is what what you're saying i totally relate to that the 28 minutes of kind of like you know unwinding to you know at the two minutes you get the real essence now that is true and it takes time and patience because the mind is used to being its own boss for time immemorial so if you believe in uh past lives it's been there for trillions of lifetimes right so the mind is used to that so when you're trying to train it down it takes time to come to the point where you know it's less time on telling the mind to shut the hell up and more time on actually enjoying that peace and tranquility and letting uh the creative elements and productivity kick in so you're you're a KPI guy. So if I'm if I'm a brand new meditator, what are sort is 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 my is my like is my where I'm trying to improve the metrics of my meditation so that I can walk out of a year long of meditating for every single day and feel like it's been successful. Is the goal like would you say a reasonable goal is to say out of the, my 28 minutes of of BS for two minutes of really good time is it to narrow that down you know what yeah, would you say is like a no, reason that, that's that's the wrong that's the wrong thought process so when you're trying awesome. to fight the mind the mind becomes stronger it's like trying to forget the ex-lover and uh, the memories become stronger right so did you say you didn't want to talk about love <laughs> <laughs> So, so you, you, you I was trying to avoid it, but you, you opened the gate, man. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so it's kind of similar. When you try to have a, an agenda, a motive, and you tell the mind, the mind has a weapon against you. It's going to play with you. So you don't give that mind that opportunity to, to give it a goal that, okay, two minutes has to become four minutes or whatever else. You just tell the mind, you need to shut up and I need to replace all these thoughts with something else. In my case, I chant that mantra, right? Everything else can go, you know, wait for the next half an hour. This mantra is everything right now. I'm going to vibrate the mantra from my mouth. I'm going to hear it from my ear and I'm not going to visualize anything. I'm not going to think of anything. It is just the sound and nothing else. So what I'm doing here is replacing the mind's noise with a sound of my choice, a spiritual sound, right? So what that does is I'm ignoring the mind. What that does is it's indifference. So they say uh, the opposite of love is indifference, right? It's not hate. Hate is the, the side, no, part of the same thing, love and hate. So indifference is the opposite of love. So similarly with the mind, you ignore it. The mind becomes weak. In the Native American saying, they say there's a good dog and a bad dog in all of us. Whichever dog you feed, that's the dog that becomes stronger. So if you feed the mind, that mind, I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to beat you. The mind gets stronger. When you ignore the mind and just focus on something else that you want to focus on, whether it's a sound, whether it's something else, that's what, uh, that's where you get stronger. Your intelligence is now acting in your favor and your mind becomes weak. And it slowly comes down and you're in charge. You're the boss. Doesn't make sense. It does. Yeah. And I'm, 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 I'm running through the practical exercises of, you know, how, how does this apply to being an entrepreneur and how, how many different overlaps there are so many good and bad decisions by entrepreneurs are made in impulsive, probably very distracted. I'll give you a nice example, something I used to really struggle with. So I, again, being a young entrepreneur, you know, arrogance, uh, 
it's a part of the game. You know, you mature up over time. So when somebody would send me an angry email, I would respond back angrily and I would say things I would regret later on. And it kept on happening. And then I would send apology emails and I would, you know, hate myself for hurting somebody else's feelings because I'm not a bad person. Um, Now, what I realized from meditation, all of this was I learned to hit the pause button. So when I get angry, when somebody says something bad, I hit the pause button. Instead of reacting, I absorb. I take my time. I calm down. I think through my thoughts. I watch my thoughts. I see how it's going up and trying to make something small into a large, gigantic mess that it's not, right? So what it has done to me is by being able to pause, reflect, rectify, and then reinstate back in action, I'm able to make the right choices and the right decisions and not hurl back insults at somebody who insults me. Rather, I'm able to say, I'm sorry, sounds like you're having a bad day. Is everything okay at home? And that disarms the person who's trying to hurt me because they're like, whoa, I was trying to hurt this guy and this guy actually cares about me? And again, that's a direct uh, correlation of what meditation does to you, what the calming of the mind does to you, because you have that control over yourself, which the other person doesn't. He's maybe having a fight with his wife. As a result, he's shouting at you. And there's no way for you to know that. But at least you know this guy is a nice person every day. What happened today that this person is in a bad mood? There must be something wrong. But that only you can see when you have paused and look at the history of your relationship with this person. You realize he's not like that or she's not like that. What is wrong today? So I should ask that, that what is wrong? Is everything all right at home? Right? So, and that makes you a very attractive person. And that makes you a great manager and a leader in an organization where things can go wrong any moment. I like that a lot. I like that's so, so you as a, as a, as you mentioned, sort of in the young early on entrepreneur, uh, we're, you know, call it in moments, call it in moments, briefly a hothead talking to the you now who would take a, ba- a, a, a pause, a deep breath, and then speak to that person, say, are you having a bad day? Probably you today were the, 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 the worst nightmare for, for that young hothead who wanted just a quick reaction. <laughs> so when people do that, young people do that to me, I am so patient at their, this like how how can you tolerate me i'm like because i was you <laughs> so i know exactly because i was you times 10 <laughs> that's so good that's so good so so when then i got it then i i just have to you know observe that uh if you are um if you are uh angry in a moment today that means you're really angry because you've thought through all the different ways to be upset and frustrated mm-hmm. <laughs> that's awesome so i, I gotta ask my favorite question in the whole world is what is it that gets you out of bed in the morning? I also want to add one more question to this. What is the influence and the impact that you want to have on the world? Sure. I'll add the first question first. So um, for every entrepreneur, there's a reason why uh, why they do what they do, or every, every high-performing individual, I could say. So for me, it is to make people smile. And if my app makes a million people smile, I'm a happy man. So why I do what I do is because I want to make that frowny face into a smiling face. And however I can do it through by teaching meditation or teaching entrepreneurship or building products that solve people's problems, uh, uh, helping people make money, prosperity, however I can do that, that is my only goal in my life is to make as many people as possible smile. Uh, 
And that's what gets me out of bed. Uh, to answer your second question, what kind of influence I want to have in this life? Um, you know, uh, when I started Kolkata Ventures, um, there was a gentleman who was the head of the U.S. Department of Commerce, uh, government of the United States, working in India. And he said, Avello, um, we want to help you know, spread entrepreneurship to the east of India and beyond so that, uh, and now I'm going to say something politically, maybe it's not so correct, but he said, we want India to have more influence than China, right? And we want to promote entrepreneurship because when people are prosperous, they don't think about killing us. <laughs> and entrepreneurship does that to people. So we want to support you. And, and U.S. government has been very supportive to Kolkata Ventures that way. And we have been able to uh, spread entrepreneurship to Bangladesh, to Nepal. I, I used to uh, advise the Prime Minister of Nepal, uh, Myanmar, and, and other countries to the east side of India. And, and we do have a stronghold, strong influence there. But the important thing is the influence is making people prosperous so they don't think about destroying other people's lives. Only sad people think about hurting other people. Happy people think about making, making people happy. And another a quote I really appreciate is, it's not success that makes you happy, it's happy people who become successful, right? So for me, again, it aligns with that goal of making people smile, putting a smile on people's faces, because entrepreneurship is my way of contributing to that smile. And when people are prosperous, when they're happy, they don't think about hurting other people, uh, either, you know, burning down whatever, you know, in, in a bad way, in a massive way, or hurting people by with their words. You know, that's, uh, I hope that answers your question. It does. It does. That's a great word. My, uh, I, I obviously want to give um, you the opportunity, you know, if there's anything else you want to leave the, audi the audience with, um, I'll include links to social medias. Uh, for, for you as well, too. I mean, is there anything else you just want to leave with the audience? Maybe a pearl of wisdom or anywhere they can reach out to you or follow your, your, uh, follow your, your content as well? Definitely. Um, so I have made around 200 videos on entrepreneurship and startups uh, on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Uh So go watch those. If you have any questions, you can reach out to me on Instagram or LinkedIn. I respond within 48 hours or less. So no matter where you're in the world, you have a brother here who's happy to help you in, if I can, in any way I can, happy to help you out. Love that. Avello, thank you so much for being a guest on this podcast. This has been amazing. I feel like I have a new friend now. Um, I feel like <laughs> if I'm angry at you, I can come to you. You'll tell me to calm down. <laughs> so this, this is amazing. And, and, and truly, you have inspired me to What's that? I said, I would judge you. Don't worry. Exactly. Perfect. <laughs> I feel like, but truly you have inspired me to sort of give, give meditation the, the, the true value that it deserves because of how the impact it's had on your life and, and, and not to mention others as well because of how much it's made you centered. So that's fantastic. Yeah. So thank you so much for being a guest on this podcast. It's been amazing. Have a good day, Matt. Nice meeting you. Let's stay in touch. You just listened to an amazing episode on the Matt Baxter Show. It had nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with the guests that I have and the stories that we get to tell and the smack talking we get to have. So if you enjoyed this episode or any of the other episodes that you've listened to, feel free to su subscribe on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcast. Check us out at thematbaxtershow.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at Matt C. Baxter, Twitter, 
or Facebook as well too. Uh, I'd love to hear from you, whether it's through an email on the website or whether it's through any of the social platforms. I do my best to get back to people as soon as I can. But thank you again for listening. I hope you enjoy. Feel free to send feedback in any way and don't be afraid to share the Map Action Show. We're very excited to have you as a listener and hope you continue to listen as well. Thanks a ton. Bye-bye.